Do parents have the legal right to homeschool their children? A California court says no, and that decision could be far-reaching. Some Americans are gleeful that New York Governor Spitzer has been taken down by a sex scandal. Should they be? And some Southern Baptist leaders want to get tough on climate change. Can man's actions affect the climate? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. I am deeply sorry that I did not live up to what was expected of me. I'm sorry, so sorry. Well, he was a fool, and that is New York Governor Elliot Spitzer. He won't be governor for much longer. He held a press conference to issue a brief statement uh, talking about uh, the fact that he will resign effective Monday, March 17th. He spent thousands of dollars on meetings with prostitutes, and uh, he's basically been taken down. He's taken many other people down, using his power to punish and destroy private citizens. As Attorney General, Elliot Spitzer actually bullied pregnancy care centers and pro-life organizations uh, and pro-life hospitals. Uh, Now he's facing political ruin. He also uh, took down the captains of finance uh, in many cases, uh, some of the uh, some of the cases were basically unfair. Uh, may have had some legalities associated with them. We are going to discuss uh, the reaction to Elliot Spitzer's downfall. A lot of people gleeful out there, as you can imagine. A lot of people are happy. Should they be? Uh, it's a very good question. Also. Uh, 46 Southern Baptist leaders have signed a statement on the environment and climate change. They really are basically laying out the necessity, they say, to address climate change. Now, the question is, does this mean that they are acknowledging that global warming is real, that it is uh, affirmed by science, and that man can affect the climate? Uh, We're going to talk about that uh, with... uh, Barrett Duke from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission because the ERLC does not support this statement by these Southern Baptist leaders. So it's going to be an interesting discussion on the climate, and uh, that'll be later in the program. And also, uh, we're going to talk uh, about parental rights today. And uh, there's a striking case. We teased this last week uh, in the state of California. The California Court of Appeal issued an opinion which found no legal right to homeschool. And here's a quote from it. Parents who fail to comply with school enrollment laws, 
may be subject to a criminal complaint against them found guilty of an infraction and subject to imposition of fines in order to complete a parent education and counseling program. This is the opinion from the opinion written by Justice H. Walter Krosky. And uh, his opinion was joined by two other members of the uh, appellate panel. This is being challenged, and it's got homeschoolers reeling in the state of California. Dr. James Dobson did a program on it, and uh, this is what he said about it. What has occurred is yet another egregious decision handed down by a California appeals court that strikes at the very heart and soul of families and their children. The court has assaulted parental rights again, and uh, this time with a sledgehammer, and it appears to be only the beginning. Uh, Our listeners in all 50 states should take note um, because it's of relevance to them as well. Um, What has occurred in California, as in the past, has a way of seeping into the fabric of the rest of the nation. With me to discuss this is Kevin Snyder. He is uh, Chief Counsel for the Pacific Justice Institute in Sacramento, Sacramento, California, and uh, they are actually uh, basically representing the defendants in this case or the, uh, the homeschooling family. And Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. Good to be with you. Kevin, can you explain uh, what the case was about, first of all, and how this ended up? I mean, this decision is a little surprising, given that it was just an individual case, isn't it? Uh, it was a storm that was inevitable, I believe. Uh, but in essence, you have a dependency hearing, uh, which is a, a juvenile court proceeding um, uh, regarding um, uh, children and their families. And um, in, I can't because it is a, a juvenile court uh, proceeding. We are we're prohibited from talking specifically about that case. But as far as the law goes, the the in the court procedurally, there was a request to have by the um, government attorneys to have the ch- and the children's advocates to have the children enrolled in public or private school. And the superior court judge, the trial court judge, says said uh, that he wouldn't do it because of a constitutional right to uh, homeschool. And then that was taken up on appeal, and the court of appeal reversed the trial court judge. Okay, so Kevin, this is a homeschooling family, and they were signed up with something called Sunland Christian School. And I know yeah. all about this because I actually used to live right there and was homeschooling my children back in the 80s uh, when this uh, school actually formed. And uh, so what you get to do is you sign up with the school, but you, you, you get sort of support and help in homeschooling your children. And these people were homeschooling their children, but this judge says they have no... They, somebody sued. I don't know who sued. Well, it was a dependency uh, hearing. Okay. And when you have uh, issues in, in, in families, and uh, again, I can't go into the details. Right, you don't but, need to. But there was an issue in the family, and so it ends up in, in, a, in a court proceeding as to whether or not... Um, um, what are the best interests of the children? And there was a claim of educational neglect, among other things, and that's how that this thing kind of exploded. And so I that, remember when I was uh, homeschooling my children out in California. Of course, it was before the laws had been strengthened in a lot of states. Uh, that I was afraid uh, to take them out during the day. In fact, I really avoided doing that. I didn't want any questions asked. Uh, I didn't feel I was doing anything illegal. You had to uh, register back then as a private school. 
uh, you know, to me, I thought that was a lie, so I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But in this case, people have been homeschooling for years, and it's really gained legitimacy across the country. So I find it very interesting that a judge would make such a sweeping statement in his ruling about homeschooling. I mean, if this stands, Kevin, will this stop people from being able to homeschool in California? This, uh, the, the judge's ruling, the appellate court's ruling, was so sweeping, it included not only these private schools, but, uh, but also he went out of his way to, to discuss what they call charter, public charter schools that have homeschooling programs and independent study through the public schools. So it was, it, the judge's view was that uh, instruction at, in the home is unlawful unless it's by a credentialed teacher on a ba- daily basis. Which basically means that uh, people who homeschool their kids in the later years in high school where they're taking several subjects, they can't homeschool because don't you have to be credentialed in every subject? Well, yeah, generally speaking. I mean, secondary credential does does break down. You have a, a few subjects that are combined, like a social studies would be history, geography, what have you, but, and then, but you'd have to have a separate credential for mathematics and uh, uh, one presumably for phys ed and et cetera. So it's a non-starter. It's a real attack on homeschooling. Kevin Snyder is with me. He's chief counsel for the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's go uh, back to Dr. Dobson's program because Mike Ferris from the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, uh, which is a group that really helps solidify all the laws across the country, and um, he he also was on Dr. Dobson's program, and he's been very concerned about parental rights, as we know, because we've had him on this show. But let's listen to Mike Ferris and what he said about this. What the court has done is they've reached out purposefully. They've reached out in a secretive case that was closed off to anybody's knowledge, didn't let uh, groups like Homeschool Legal Defense Association participate by keeping the, the veil of juvenile court secrecy about it. But what's happened is this. The court has said that the statutes of California forbid parents to teach their own children at home unless they're a certified teacher. For 99.9% of parents in, in, in California, that means you cannot teach your kids at home. And if you are having a child that's in the secondary stages, you cannot teach because you're not certified in everything. So uh, it, it is effectively slamming in the door on homeschooling for everyone, and they've said such outrageous things as it doesn't matter what the kids learn. Um, learning is not important. It's just simply that we need them intended so other people can watch out because we can't trust parents. At the, at the heart of this case is a distrust of parents. Well, this is what scares me, and Kevin Snyder is with me uh, from Pacific Justice Foundation, and that is uh, that if this goes up the ladder, Kevin, for instance, to the Ninth Circuit, they've already made some pretty alarming statements about parental rights. They don't really basically believe in it. Uh, so it's it's a little scary uh, for that area of the country, and then possibly this could seep into the rest of the uh, the country, couldn't it? This is a, a, not a parent friendly area on the West Coast, and uh, there's there's good cause to be concerned. Uh, though this was in not in the federal courts, this was in the state courts. Um, you, you know there are hostile panels, appellate panels. What about the California Supreme Court? Is that where it'll go next? Yes, that's uh, that's where it's headed, and uh, we're um, it's going to be a uh, quite the uh, quite the fight up there, and uh, how it will turn out, no one knows. 
So Pacific Justice Institute is representing uh, the the family, correct? We are, no, we are representing uh, the Sunland Christian School. Okay. The uh, school was basically at the um, uh, ground zero of the of the opinion as to uh, whether the court analyzed whether or not this school uh, was legitimate if if using a private school. Uh, through homeschooling is is proper, and the court said no, it is not. And by the way, uh, for good measure, ni- neither is public charter school or independent study in public school. You know, we've got people uh, listening to this program who are doing the same thing. They've got there's so many programs out there that you can enroll your children, and they, sometimes they'll even do the grading for you. Sometimes there's online teaching, and uh, but the parents are are the ones basically responsible there in the home, and so in a sense, uh, this is speaking to what's being done across the country very successfully, isn't it, Kevin? Well, yes, it is. So it's um, yeah, you're 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 correct on that. And uh, in essence, the the, the court is l- is looking at uh, demand or demanding that there be physical presence in a school. And of course, this is you know we're not in the horse and buggy ages anymore. And, and there are online programs, and and a lot of universities, prestigious universities, use those as well and um, so it's it's they're not in touch with reality all right let me ask you about the logistics because uh, this goes to the California Supreme Court next correct correct and if they rule the wrong way for instance then for California homeschooling is dead uh, unless the elected officials step in after the after the litigation is over and uh, and um, legitimize it through changing the statutes. Now, how when Dr. Dobson says this could affect the whole country, could it really? Well, not no. Each state has its own is its own kingdom as far as um, educational laws. Um, what it what it does though is is courts if they don't have something on point will look to a sister state. As California goes, so goes the nation. There could be. I mean, if if there there are only about thirty states out there which have explicit homeschooling statutes. Uh, the other twenty uh, have these murky laws like California, and they're subject to interpretation. And uh, it's those other twenty states. Uh, that are in jeopardy, and they and when courts interpret the law, they may look at California. Okay, Kevin Snyder, thank you so much for explaining this. Uh, we've got to stay on top of this issue. We appreciate your joining us today. All right, all the best. All right, Wall Street is cheering. Uh, so are New York pro-lifers and other people over the demise of New York Governor Elliot Spitzer. Should they be? We'll take your calls. Eight hundred eight eight one nine two seven zero. Join us. Right. Now. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Chris.
Driscoll College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I'm deeply sorry that I did not live up to what was expected of me. I'm sorry, so sorry. Well, there are lots of folks out there who are not sorry uh, that uh, Elliot Spitzer, governor of New York, has been brought down by his own uh, sin, basically. His uh, action over 10 years, uh, buying prostitutes and deceiving his family, his wife. And uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, uh, New York Stock Exchange chief Dick Grasso is one of the people brought down by Spitzer, and he's happy. Also, American International Group CEO Maurice Hank Greenberg has been brought down by Spitzer. He's happy. Uh, Pro-lifers in New York, as I said earlier, are happy, and here's why. This comes out of the Family Research Council's newsletter. Uh, Governor Spitzer, of course, hailed for his public dedication to strong ethics, has actually built much of its polit- his political reputation as a bully toward pregnancy care centers and pro-life organizations and also as a champion of abortion on demand and NARAL. As New York's Attorney General, Elliot Spitzer spent taxpayer time and treasure attacking those who aid pregnant women, and shortly after winning the governorship, he pushed for legislation that would have made abortion in New York even more pandemic than it already is, while stomping on the rights of religious providers like Catholic hospitals. Uh, Now he's going to, as, as Tony Perkins, the Family Research Council says, Now he will likely turn toward his family. It's a great sorrow that so much of his career has actually rested on vicious attacks on family values. So he's attacked uh, business, Wall Street, in certain cases, and there certainly have been abuses, and he's done some good there. Uh, But he abused his power in many ways, and he abused his office. And I guess the question is I, I have is, should these people be happy? Is it right for people to be happy when someone who is leading us and who uh, abuses that power is being brought down, especially when they're brought down for personal sin. Give us a call, 800-881-9270. While you're calling in, uh, we will air his uh, speech of today. This is New York Governor Elliot Spitzer announcing he will resign effective Monday. In the past few days, I've begun to atone for my private failings with my wife, Soda, my children, and my entire family. The remorse I feel will always be with me. Words cannot describe how grateful I am for the love and compassion they have shown me. From those to whom much is given, much is expected. I have been given much, the love of my family, the faith and trust of the people of New York, and the chance to lead this state. I am deeply sorry that I did not live up to what was expected of me. To every New Yorker and to all those who believed in what I tried to stand for, I sincerely apologize. I look at my time as governor with a sense of what might have been. But I also know that as a public servant, I and the remarkable people with whom I worked have accomplished a great deal. There is much more to be done, 
and I cannot allow my private failings to disrupt the people's work. Over the course of my public life, I have insisted, I believe correctly, that people, regardless of their position or power, take responsibility for their conduct. I can and will ask no less of myself. For this reason, I am resigning from the office of governor. At Lieutenant Governor Patterson's request, the resignation will be effective Monday, March 17, a date that he believes will permit an orderly transition. I go forward with the belief, as others have said, that as human beings, our greatest glory consists not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. As I leave public life, I will first do what I need to do to help and heal myself and my family. That could be tough. Uh, I think what he's done would be very painful uh, to the wife of someone who had uh, basically misled and lied and practiced those things. And uh, Dr. Barry Creamer did a great job of talking about the spouses of uh, these folks, that uh, these leaders that end up having to pull them by their side to announce these things and get their support, publicly at least. And uh, that was, it was great to hear all of you weighing in on that. I want you to weigh in today, though, on the fact that uh, a lot of people are gleeful and happy about this. I will say that uh, Governor Spitzer will be succeeded by Lieutenant Governor David Patterson. uh, And then uh, Patterson's successor as Lieutenant Governor will be a Republican, uh, because by New York law, the Speaker of the uh, House, I believe it is, uh, who's jo- Joseph Bruner, who's a Republican, will will succeed him. I'm sure that's not making those folks too happy either. Let's go now, though, to the phones. The number is 800-881-9270 and speak with Brian in Louisville. Hi, Brian. Thanks for calling in. Hey there. How are you doing? Great. Hey, uh, as far as a theological perspective, I mean, a biblical perspective is what we're kind of talking about. I understand that he committed a lot of sin and that hurt a lot of people. Um, so a lot of people probably are happy with that. I, the only thing I could think of is from the Old Testament where it talks about, you know, where there was nations that, um, uh, where God had punished Israel, and and there were nations that were, in their hearts, were happy that they were being punished. And and basically, that in, in response, God had humbled them. So I think <clears throat> when we can we can... Be happy for someone else's, and say, yeah, they're getting what they deserve. Of course they are, but uh, I think it's just not not a good thing. Not good to be happy about it. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of like religious, almost like religious hypocrisy, not realizing that we, too, have have messed up. What about, would it be good to be happy that someone was no longer in leadership power, though? I mean, it's good. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing that they're not in power anymore. I think as far as our hearts are at, to not be, to not, you know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. Yeah, that was the question I had, and you don't think we should be gleeful about it, even his enemies or those who've been brought down by him. Thank you so much. I appreciate your call, Brian. Uh, We continue to take your calls here on Jerry Johnson Live. The Wall Street Journal, um, Kim Strassel, wrote a piece. She said the former New York Attorney General never believed normal rules applied to him, and his view was validated time and time again by an adoring press. Here's a quote from him. 
Uh, he said, uh, you play hard, you play rough, and hopefully you don't get caught. But Spitzer did get caught. And we are taking your calls on whether or not it's right to be happy about it. Uh, Kayla is in North Richland Hills. Kayla, thank you for joining me. Thank you. I think as Christians, Jesus came um, to hate the sin but love the sinner. No one should ever rejoice in anyone else's demise. I don't agree with what he did. It was definitely a sin. It was definitely wrong. I don't think that someone in leadership should be doing those things. But as a Christian, you should never be happy because we sin on a daily basis. And if we're judging someone else and rejoicing in their demise, then that's only going to bring judgment to ourselves. And I think that we should... So we shouldn't be happy that he sinned. I mean, I think a lot of people are happy that he sinned because this brought him down. No, definitely not. Okay, great. Thanks, Kayla. Appreciate your call. Let's go now to Richardson and talk to Rita. Hi, Rita. Hi, how are you? Great. What do you think? Um, I don't think we should rejoice because sin has no degrees. If I look at someone or thought a bad thing today, my sin is just as bad as his sin. But I will say this, uh, the Bible says there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. So it's just that his sin was brought out in the open because, you know, he's in a public office and stuff. And then this should be a lesson to all of us that are proclaiming Christ, that we should, you know, get the beam out of our eye before we try to get the moke out of our brother's eye, you know, so... Um, But do you think it's important, though, to uh, look at leaders, especially like New Yorkers, when they think back to his tactics as attorney general Mm -hmm. uh, and this this sort of um, invincible uh, attitude that he had, really pride, and the Bible does speak against pride, uh, that they should have been more discerning in uh, who they elected, uh, you know, before electing him governor, electing him as their leader? That's true, but, you know, like I say, sin has no degrees, and if we are on this earth, all of us are committing sin, all of us, you know. So his just was exposed, even though he was doing... Now, he's he's not going to be remembered for all the good things that he did and exposing other people for bad things. What he's going to be remembered for is that he... is that his fault. Well, he'll be remembered by those uh, he brought down himself <laughs> also for what uh, some of the things that he's done over his career. But thank you very much. I appreciate your call, Kayla. And uh, let's go now to Mark in Dallas. Mark, that was Rita. I'm sorry. Um, Mark, go ahead. Answer the question. What do you think about the glee across the country over the downfall of Elliot Spitzer? Yeah, I think we we have to go back to the scriptures on this, and 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 I, I don't ha- I don't have the proverb uh, at my uh, at my touch right now, but it does say that when your enemy falls, and if you're talking about whether in the military terms or or whatever, uh, you don't rejoice, you know, because you know, and I think that this the scripture goes on to say that you know, or or else you know, the Lord could you know, punish you for rejoicing. So I think you always have to go back to the scripture on that. You know, what about like when David and the Israelites would rejoice when they won battles? I mean, in a sense, I wonder if there'd be some sort of a parallel there uh, when you're looking at the left and the right in politics. That's a good thing to think about. Uh, Thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, We've got to move on to another subject, and uh, we could talk about Elliot Spitzer all day, but perhaps it's better that we don't. Ladies and gentlemen, we really appreciate you, though, uh, weighing in today in this segment. Well, next up, we are going to talk about the environment. 
Is there a difference between climate change and dealing with that and talking about things like global warming and talking about protecting the environment? There's some Southern Baptist leaders that are acknowledging global warming, basically, and I'm wondering if that's appropriate or not. Uh, We're going to get the opinion of Barrett Duke, and that's next. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Uh, you know, I don't want to uh, sort of leap into the larger meaning of it, uh, you know, inappropriately. But on the other hand, the Weather Service has told us we are going to have more and more intense storms. And insurance companies are beginning to look at this issue and understand this is related to the intensity of storms that's related to the warming of the earth. And so it goes to global warming and larger issues that we're not paying attention to. Senator John Kerry speaking following the tornadoes that hit Tennessee recently and other states, and uh, he attributed those storms to global warming. Uh, There was also a statement uh, probably about a year ago from Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid with regard to those extensive fires that hit Southern California, talking about blaming that on global warming. One reason that we have the fires burning in Southern California is global warming. Ladies and gentlemen, on this program, we make fun of those statements, and uh, we say that the science is not there. And as a matter of fact, uh, it's very interesting because last week, scientists who are skeptical of man-made climate fears met uh, at a conference in New York. It was the International Conference on Climate Change, and uh, there were just many, many scientists who debunked the idea that, uh, first of all, that uh, global warming is even happening, and second of all, that man can, by changing his actions, change the climate. Well, there's been a statement put out by several leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention, 46 to be exact. Now, this is not an official statement of the SBC, but it really states uh, that we need to do more about climate change and the environment. Now, some of this is very true, and I think it's important that we take care of the environment. It's certainly a biblical mandate. But I want to talk about, really, some of these statements and uh, whether these are wise or not. And with us to do this is Barrett Duke. He is vice president for the uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission for the Southern Baptist Convention. Dr. Duke is actually based in Washington, D.C., and he joins me now. Barrett, thanks for being with me today. I'm glad to be with you tonight. All right, uh, we've got this statement by these leaders, highly respected leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention, and I know that the ERLC did not sign on to this. Tell me why. Uh, you're right. Uh, we didn't sign on to uh, that document. Uh, we've been in uh, conversation with uh, Jonathan for oh, probably better than six weeks or so about his document. Uh, we were working with him on uh, trying to get the language in the document to at least not uh, contradict the um, Southern Baptist Convention's official statements, or as official statement as we can get, which is our resolution uh, on global warming. Um, and there was still some language in his statement that uh, we felt like um, just uh, said more than Southern Baptists have been willing to say so far about uh, what we ought to do about global warming. 
so since we uh, essentially work for Southern Baptists, we didn't think we ought to say more than Southern Baptists are willing to say about the subject. It gets a little dicey because you've got the president of the Southern Baptist Convention signing on to this. Uh, now, he doesn't believe it refutes the resolution. As a matter of fact, I think he was part of passing that re- resolution. That's Frank Page. And then you've got other leaders signing on to it. And, of course, you mentioned Jonathan. That's Jonathan Merritt, a 25-year-old student at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. His dad is a major leader in the Southern Baptist Convention. He was president once, James Merritt. So these are some highly respected, thoughtful men who have who have signed this, uh, you know, people that we, we respect and we have on this program sometimes. Uh, and yet, you know, what's your concern here, Barrett, about how this refutes what the SBC has already said? Yeah, there were, there were several places in the document that just... Um, went further than the SBC resolution, but the two places that we were most concerned about, um, the, the statement uh, makes the comment that Southern Baptists have been too timid uh, in their, their responses to um, environmental and climate change issues. Um, and uh, we took that to be a, essentially um, at least, at the very least, an implied repudiation of uh, current uh, Southern Baptist Convention uh, statements on the subject. Um, and uh, so we, we felt like uh, it wouldn't be appropriate for us to say Southern Baptists have been too timid. Uh, in fact, I think Southern Baptists said as much as they're, they're prepared to say. Uh, so they've been as bold on the subject, especially on global warming, uh, that they want to be. Uh, the second was that the uh, signers uh, pledged themselves to um, uh, take new looks at the government solutions uh, toward uh, uh, climate change issues. And uh, the uh, messengers at the Southern Baptist Convention in 2007, when they passed that resolution, actually omitted language uh, before they approved the resolution that was presented to them uh, that was calling for government action. So the uh, thousands of messengers that gathered in 2007 actually said, we don't want to be calling on government uh, to get more involved in this. And so for us to sign that statement... Uh, we felt like, again, we'd be um, signing on to something that uh, Southern Baptists had essentially said they don't want uh, to be involved in at this point. Well, the point we make on this program often is, first of all, when the government gets involved, uh, watch your wallet. And watch uh, especially that's, that's totally the right. wallet of, of the people who can't, can least afford uh, higher energy costs. That's a, that was, is a major concern for us. Um, now, obviously, if um, the uh, folks who are talking about the uh, catastrophic uh, global warming that's caused by humans, if they're right, uh, then something needs to be done. Uh, but the science just isn't as settled as some people are wanting us to believe that it is. Um, but um, if we adopt policies um, to address global warming, um, uh, those policies are certainly going to drive up the prices of goods as uh, companies cost, uh, pass on the cost of uh, doing their carbon emissions uh, reductions and things. And so uh, people who can least afford higher prices, like the poor, uh, are going to be hurt the most. And it's very possible that that doesn't even need to happen. With me is Dr. Barrett Duke. He's with the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, if you would like to read more about this story, you can go to Baptist Press. That's bpnews.net. There's a piece on it today, an article that explains the whole situation. And, Barrett, I read the uh, the declaration, and, you know, some of it is good. For instance, uh, the, the first statement in it says that humans must care for creation and take responsibility for our contributions to environmental degradation, and I would say that's biblical. But statement number two uh, 
bothered me because it said it is prudent to address global climate change. And to me, that's arrogant because I don't know that even I don't think it's ever been proven that humans can actually change the climate by our actions. What do you think? Um, well, if we're causing the problem, then I suppose if we stop doing what's causing it, that we could affect the climate. Uh, the question really is whether or not we're causing the problem. Uh, and there is actually conflicting evidence, and more and more scientists now are saying uh, most of this isn't being caused by human activity. It's probably a, the sun in a new cycle. Um, uh, so um, there are real questions, really, about um, what's the appropriate response. And uh, fortunately, Jonathan has not, in his statement, he has not uh, said, you know, we need to act in these particular ways uh, to address climate change. In fact, uh, that's one of the criticisms that he's had from a number of people, that he says we need to address climate change but doesn't offer any solutions. And the reason why he doesn't offer any solutions, he said, because we don't know how much humans are causing the problem. Uh, so until you have an answer to how much humans are causing the problem, you can hardly propose solutions. Well, uh, but it is huge for a giant denomination, very influential group that's known to be conservative uh, on most political issues, to be seen as supporting uh, government action for global warming. And the reason I would say, Barrett, is because uh, this has been used, this whole idea of climate change. There's, there's an attempt to actually use the fears of climate change to gain uh, international control over different countries' policies and to really s- solidify power in the hands of government. And I think that's something that we need to be wary of, isn't it? Uh, we would agree. Um, but... Um if government can um, uh, can use this as a way to uh, influence how companies do business, that, that gives them uh, more power over them. If, if they're the ones in charge of their carbon trading programs or taxing companies for their carbon output, uh, yes, they, they can have a direct uh, input on who does business and how they go about doing business. Uh, so there there is a real danger uh, with government getting involved here, and uh, I think that's why Southern Baptists uh, didn't even want any language like that in their 2007 resolution. Dr. Duke, provide me with, you know, since uh, we are sort of raising some fears here and some red flags, provide me with the sort of the biblical side, the stewardship side of this, that, you know, there's certainly a lot to support the fact that we ought to be careful about the environment as individuals. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, we see from the book of Revelation, God created the earth, he created everything. Um, and then uh, we see him putting the man and the woman in the garden to care for it and to till it, uh, to keep it. And the language there means not just to sit around and enjoy it, <laughs> uh, but to help it to uh, do what it's supposed to do. We're here to help creation do what God intended for it to do, which was to bring glory to God. Uh, even after the fall, um, that responsibility wasn't lost. Uh, we are still uh, responsible for creation to do the best we can uh, to see to it that it fulfills its purpose, which is to uh, meet our needs, but also to glorify God. Uh, so we are still stewards of God's creation, and as stewards of God's creation, we need to make sure that we do everything that we possibly can to care for creation. Yet we also need to remember that human beings are God's crowning creation. Uh, We aren't the same as all of the rest of creation. Nothing else in all of creation, uh, does the Bible say, was created in the image of God. 
so we're different from the rest of creation, not just in degree, but actually in kind. Um, so our response to, uh, to the environment uh, needs to be uh, one of respect, but it shouldn't be one that places the needs of the environment actually over against uh, the needs of humanity. Which happens in a lot of these plans to combat global warming. Dr. Barrett Duke, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure to be with you. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, last week we reported on this. At this conference I mentioned in New York, uh, the founder of the Weather Channel, uh, John Coleman, said serious scientists and serious students of global warming have concluded that there is little basis for the thought that we are actually going to have catastrophic global warming. Very interesting statement by him. Well, next up we're going to talk about President Bush at the NRB. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. If Congress should ever pass any legislation that stifles your right to express your views, I'm going to veto it. That's President Bush speaking to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, the NRB, in Nashville, Tennessee, yesterday. And uh, I did get to go to the NRB for a couple of days. And, of course, it's always wonderful to be there because you're with broadcasters and ministries related to broadcasting. And it's just a wonderful organization that helps support uh, the ability for people to speak the truth, share the gospel across the air, uh, airwaves, both in the United States and across the world. There are always threats to it, and one of those threats, of course, is the Fairness Doctrine. And uh, President Bush uh, basically said that he uh, won't allow that to be reinstated while he is in office. He came to the NRB yesterday, and um, unfortunately, I had to leave. Um, I had to leave the hotel right when he was speaking to get to my flight, and uh, so I missed it. Whether or not Dr. Johnson was in that audience, I don't know, because I haven't been able to talk to him about it, but I know my husband was there, and he said uh, that it was a great speech. President Bush talking about the Fairness Doctrine, he said Christian broadcasting could be threatened if this regulation is reinstated. So members of Congress want to reinstate a regulation that was repealed 20 years ago. It has the Orwellian name called the Fairness Doctrine. Of course, the Fairness Doctrine uh, would probably uh, be in the minds of the members of Congress that want to reinstate it against talk radio. For instance, uh, the power of 
uh, the Rush Limbaugh's of the world. Um, and I think they'd be thinking back to things like the debate over immigration, which talk radio had a great influence in defeating that immigration bill. And so they're reeling from that, and they've been talking about reinstating it. And while President Bush is in office, he won't allow that to happen. But as we know, uh, everything could change. So this is a real threat, and the NRB is going to have to stand strong against the Fairness Doctrine. Now, President Bush said that the Fairness Doctrine would require stations and programs to offer airtime for opposing uh, views on controversial subjects. We know who these advocates of so-called balance really have in their sights. Shows hosted by people like Rush Limbaugh or James Dobson. I think it would really hurt Christian radio uh, because, in a sense, so if you have to have the opposition on a Christian radio station, the opposition is things that are anti-Christian. And so um, it would put a lot of Christian radio stations out of business, and plus it would dilute the message of the gospel. Now, President Bush, uh, again, explaining the problem with the Fairness Doctrine. By insisting on so-called balance, they want to silence those they don't agree with. The truth of the matter is they know they cannot prevail in the public debate of ideas. They don't acknowledge that you are the balance. Well, uh, he also talked about his foreign policy and uh, the quest to foment or protect democracy and freedom around the world. And uh, he got... He got a lot of support from the folks there at the NRB, and I think that President Bush sort of wanted to remind people that uh, he knows still love him, <laughs> uh, that, uh, you know, he he stood firm and he continues to stand firm in his uh, opinions about what we've done in Iraq and other places over there in the Middle East. And, you know, of course, he's not done everything perfectly and made every decision perfectly uh, but in a sense, he just again reiterated sort of the whole idea of protecting freedom around the world. And, you know, he takes it above politics because, of course, uh, during this campaign, we're talking about Iraq and uh, national security. But he said political calculations will not determine how many U.S. troops can be pulled out. We're not coming home based upon defeat or based upon opinion polls or based upon focus groups or based upon politics. They're coming home because we're successful. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, yesterday, one of the generals um, resigned, uh, General Fallon, and uh, he was a very powerful gentleman, a general over CENTCOM, actually outranks Petraeus. But obviously the Bush administration relies more on the opinions of Petraeus than on Fallon. And Fallon was very critical of our policy uh, and the fact that uh, we may get tough on Iran. In fact, he's been urging deeper troop cuts in Iraq beyond the uh, five surge combat brigades that are already scheduled to be redeployed this summer. And I think that had something to do with his resignation. It may be signaling something. uh, It's interesting that President Bush spoke on this the same day Fallon resigned. But uh, Bush said to the NRB he has no regrets about going to war in Iraq in the first place. The decision to remove Saddam Hussein was the right decision early in my presidency. It is the right decision at this point in my presidency, and it will forever be the right decision. 
President Bush, I think, uh, would like to have things very stable when he leaves office. I think he owes that to his successor. And uh, so he would like to have the situation in Iraq stabilized. Certainly not all the troops gone by the time he leaves. Uh, but something sort of to bequeath to the next administration. And uh, he said that America must stay in Iraq and finish the job. Millions who have suffered decades of tyranny and torment now are beginning to see hope. And for the sake of the security, and for the sake of peace, and for the sake of generation of kids coming up, the United States will help the Iraqis succeed. He was pretty strong on this, pretty matter-of-fact uh, in his speech, uh, speaking again to folks who support him, and I think he could be honest with them, uh, and also just kind of provide a defense of his own policies, again, to those who have been who are supporters. Uh, before I go on with the president's speech, I want to mention a couple of program notes, though, because we are coming up on Easter week, and uh, we call it, of course, Resurrection Week, which is exactly what it is, and uh, Ben Weatherington uh, will be joining us. Also, Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible Answer Man, uh, talking about the resurrection. Uh, Dr. Daryl Bach from Dallas Seminary, uh, apologist and theologian, will also join us. And uh, we'll have some great programming during Resurrection Week to, uh, you know, sort of interspersed within the news uh, to help us to begin to sort of... Uh, prepare our hearts for Easter Sunday and all that that entails. So we hope that you will join us. Uh, This week we'll continue uh, to talk about uh, the Spitzer resignation and uh, all that's in the news. I never did get to talk about uh, former Congresswoman Geraldine Ferraro's statement about Barack Obama and race. Perhaps we'll uh, get to that a little bit later. But I want to go back to President Bush and, of course, talking about uh, the fact that there has been an uptick just in recent days in violence in um, in Iraq, and some people are saying, well, uh, you know, the troop surge didn't work so well, or maybe we ought to not take any more troops out. Here's what President Bush says uh, about why insurgents are using these suicide attacks on U.S. troops. We mourn every loss of life. We also know that, uh, that the reason why the enemy uses brutal tactics is they're trying to shake our nerve. And that's President Bush. Uh, It's interesting today. I got to talk with a young student about this whole uh, legacy that President Bush is leaving. He's not exactly concerned about his legacy. He's concerned about accomplishing something good around the world. And let's hope and pray that that is exactly what happens. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.